This is part two of our podcast interview with Mary Ellen Hennessy Nottage, the executive director and the curator of the Indiana Medical History Museum. At the last time we were talking about the pioneering efforts that have been made at the Indiana State Hospital in the battle against mental illness, trying to understand it, and in particular, combining uses of electricity. We begin our conversation again talking about the use of the bodies of patients who had died to further scientific study. People who died as patients of the hospital, their bodies were the only ones included to answer, to, to try to answer this research question about physical bases for mental illness using the new sciences, such as pathology. Yes, patients did die on premises in great numbers. Many of the patients were wards of the state. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the doctors had to get permission to do an autopsy, and it was relatively easy to get that permission from the state of Indiana. Many patients, however, did have families known to the institution. So, of course, the doctors had to go to the families and say, maybe please mm-hmm. do an autopsy for our study. The answer was usually no because of the taboos at the time. Mm-hmm. You do not desecrate a human body by doing that to it. However, the doctors here were able to offer a full free funeral for the family mm-hmm. and for so many families. Remember, this is a state hospital. Yes. The, uh, the uh, uh, socioeconomic economic level of the, of the patients and the families here was, was such that there's a good chance they couldn't even afford a decent coffin, let alone a full free funeral. That turned a lot of the no's into the yeses. It was the reason for this building having a morgue, uh, a body cooler, and a funeral parlor built into it as it opened in 1896. Wow. Now, this place, when did it effectively end, the research that was going on here, the remarkable research for all those years? It effectively ended 1950s, 1960s. The building was never abandoned, never abandoned. Actually, the IU School of Medicine utilized the amphitheater with the original chairs in it until 1956 for formal classes. Oh, wow. On on pathology? On doing autopsies and things like that? Well, that had gone by the wayside in there. Uh, You notice that we don't have an autopsy table anymore in the amphitheater. (laughs) Well, as as, as the doctors started to figure out how these disease-causing microorganisms behave, how they spread they started to become more and more cognizant of airborne disease. You can fit a hundred medical students in that amphitheater. So imagine if you're cutting open a body of a patient who had tuberculosis. Oh, my. That was the end of the autopsy table in there. (laughs) (laughs) How long have you been funded as a a museum then? Uh, When it was uh, discovered that this building was to be torn down, when a lot of the um, uh, demise of the historic buildings was going on on this property. The doctor who gave the very last lecture, a neurologist, at the podium here for the IU School of Medicine caught wind of it, and he decided that could not, should not have Uh him. He insisted that this is the only place where he could have his offices and his muscular dystrophy clinic. He insisted, and it came about, yes, he saved the building in that way. Because he recognized it as an historical resource that 
is not duplicated anywhere right. in this country. Now, you also have on your grounds here uh, one other small building, and describe that for me just for briefly. Uh, that was called the Dead House. It was built in 1901. Dr. Edenharder had a problem on his, ha- on his hands, body snatching. Very, very lucrative business mm. here in the city of Indianapolis, as it was in any metropolitan area uh, that, in, or rural areas close to medical centers. Yeah, because called, they were called resurrectionists, some the, I understand? Yes, yes. <laughs> the, uh, the, the gangs that were doing the body snatching were called resurrectionists. They were very proficient. If they weren't doing such a horrendous act, you would have to admire them for their entrepreneurialism. <laughs> their methodologies were so slick. They were essentially they were gathering bodies for the use in the different medical schools. Uh, really, those bodies were being used to train the doctors who would eventually go on to take care of those communities. But the act of getting those bodies was seen as a very macabre kind of thing. Absolutely, as was autopsy itself. As was autopsy itself. And there were a number of medical schools, numbers of medical uh, doctors and students here in town that provided a wonderful market. They all denied buying the bodies, however. Oh, oh, I see. What brought you here? I've been in the museum field for over 40 years now. And uh, so has my husband. When uh, we decided to leave Los Angeles after uh, 16 years there establishing and uh, helping out with a, with a huge museum. We came to Indianapolis. James came as chief curator at the Eidelsdorf Museum in town. And I came along with him. And I was asked to be on the board of directors here. When the previous director, executive director, uh, retired, I applied for the position as director. Here I am. That's wonderful. Well, thank you very much for an incredible tour of the place. And I, I, I said this as we were, we were touring. Your enthusiasm for this is absolutely infectious, and I hope that people will get to see this. Both people who are are interested in medical history, which is fascinating, and just the history of uh, the lady, just the whole business about how we have come such a long way in understanding what disease is and how to deal with it, both uh, pathology and mental illness as well. Thank you very much. You're welcome. I do hope people visit.